evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another edition of Intermission. We're actually a little bit late with this one, partially because of uh, partially because of holidays, partially because of needing to meet deadlines, partially because of life getting in the way. So again, I do apologize for the delay. But in order to make up for it, this is the second time in a row we have a professional with us. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you the one, the only, Cage. Welcome aboard with us, I never Cage. asked for this. <laughs> I never asked for this. It's true, he didn't ask. I kind of drug him along. And but I'm put here. him in a cage. <laughs> and I will rattle now. Yes. Also with him, another talented modder extraordinaire. I'm familiar with... Uh, you might be quite familiar with several of his works, known such as uh, Brutal Trailblazer, Brutal Guncaster, and the eventual Brutal Russian Overkill, Pillow Blaster, ladies and gentlemen. Rip Kinsey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Kinsey is unfortunately unable to make it, because uh, these wonderful gentlemen, they currently live in Poland, and right now it is about 6 a.m. in Kinsey time zone, when I asked if he would be available at this time, he basically told me, fuck right off. <laughs> <laughs> it's a shame he didn't make it, though. It, it would be a worldwide intermission, almost. Yeah. <laughs> Usually I'm the only American on these things, but that's why I brought Wharton, in order to be a Yankee rep along with me. Yeah. Two on two, I, fight. <laughs> you get me today. I'm sorry. Yes, I'm just eating burgers with my fellow Yank here, so, yeah. <laughs> you make me hungry. Oh. Don't forget to wash your hands with bacon soap afterwards. Uh, I'm actually recording with bacon on my hands right now, and my microphone is wrapped in bacon, so... That works. <laughs> that explains a lot, actually. <laughs> <laughs> you sound mighty tasty. <laughs> Fat sounding. Yep. All right, so a lot has been happening in the community lately, and a lot of it has been mostly game-related. There has been a lot of retro-inspired shooters rising up and trying to challenge the throne of indie godhood, I suppose. Like, is there even a competition for that? But there has been a lot of new titles rising up on the Steam store. And the recent release of Mad Sector, an indie first-person shooter with Wolfenstein-style levels. It's 1992. The stores are flooded with games. A bright box catches your eyes. Walking to the shelf, the box reads, Mad Sector. Mad Sector is like the kind of the kind of thing you feel when you're working in Doom Builder and <laughs> it just disappears all of a sudden. Something fucking breaks. <laughs> I don't want to say that we are spoiled because of working in Doom, but they could step up their game from Wolfenstein, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I don't really... I mean, I do appreciate that there is another retro-inspired first-person shooter on the market. I don't like that this falls into the trap of so many others. I mean, it's got flat, uninspired Wolfenstein-style level design. It's just corridors, 90-degree walls, blocky angles, and just... Uh, there's no verticality. None at all. But man, those weapon angles. 
<laughs> yes, and the weapon angles. All of the sprites, they are centered, but they are angled. And... <laughs> I don't want to say bad things about g games, especially, you know, independent projects, but this one kind of looks, you know, like everyone was crazy with Doom when it was out, and then uh, Doom started the era of uh, Doom clones. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of, it makes me think of all those obscure games, like, I don't know, The Fortress of Dr. Radiaki or something, you know, those all those knockoffs. Oh, yes. <laughs> Sadly, but so, sorry, but that's my association. It's, it's like one of those pie-in-the-sky games that you read in the yeah, back of a no. magazine, you take photographs of your hand and put them in the game and then so it's it's not a retro first person shooter it's a doom clone <laughs> <laughs> I, i just i really can't get over those weapon sprites though uh, to clarify for our viewers uh the weapon sprites in mad sector they are centered weapon sprites and take up the center of the screen but the way they are positioned is angled and so at the center of the screen you have a gun that's pointing to the left And, yes. I mean, I've heard of gangsta style holding the gun to the side before, but this is ridiculous. <laughs> Coriolis effect has taken overdrive. <laughs> I mean, I guess your biggest concern is what you can't see, but at some point you got to seriously stop menacing the air particles to the left and focus on the enemies in front of you. Maybe the hero is a sniper and he, like, takes all the corrections for the wind. <laughs> yeah, he's a <laughs> pretty strong wind there. <laughs> and something. he's always blowing from your right. <laughs> Fucking wind. That would be amazing. <laughs> all right, the next one. Another announcement of Skyfall, an indie old-school retro first-person-inspired shooter with Wolfenstein levels and pixel graphics. It is slated uh, for Wolfenstein strikes again. <laughs> yes. It is not given a specific release date, but the release date is listed as soon. 2217, distant future. We act as an engineer named Fox. It's a girl. At the beginning of the game, it comes the order to disable the protection system in the complex where she works. That they want to make a diagnosis. Furious will be disappointed. To clarify, that was all literal. Yes. Um, I've got a feeling that the first language of the developers isn't exactly English, so... Mm -hmm. uh, Comparing to the previous, at least it has correctly positioned guns. Yes! <laughs> it does have angled weapon sprites, but they are actually positioned off to the side. Also, the release date uh, of soon is a lot better than uh, when it's done. We all know how that turned out. Mm-hmm. And I also <laughs> like that they had to specify that the protagonist is, in fact, a woman. It's a selling point! <laughs> the actual actual gameplay itself, I mean, it's bog-standard Wolfenstein clone, looks like. You run through a consistent pace, you navigate through 90-degree corridors with very interesting crusader-esque marathon-esque style textures and fight wolfenstein slash blake stone-esque sprite enemies while using guns that seem straight out of gloom or another first-person amiga shooter it's yeah it's kind of like that 
it, it's it makes me think of uh, mobile first person games or i don't know maybe game boy advance first person shooters mm-hmm. i'm still fascinated by this hard it really stands out <laughs> yeah i guess it's functional so mm-hmm. at least we have that yeah the gameplay it looks solid i mean it, it is bog standard but bog standard isn't bad it works it works as a formula of course, the trailer is exactly one minute long, so by watching this one minute long trailer, we have become experts on the game and everything it coincides. <laughs> well, if you've seen the same game another hundred times... <laughs> yeah! <laughs> so, let's add a little twist to it. Our next game is the announcement of Hermor. Hermodder? Throwing that sleep. <laughs> Hermodder. Yeah. Hermodder. <laughs> No, that'll be your mother. <laughs> the actual Norse, it's pronounced a hamor, but how many people are actually going to know that and just going to pronounce it like hamadar? <laughs> <laughs> this, too, is another indie, old-school, first-person, retro-style-inspired shooter with Wolfenstein levels, pixel graphics, and roguelike mechanics. Hmm. I think I'll give it a pass for at least the consistency. Yeah. So yeah, look, it's it's uh, uh, another one of those games that we might be the the wrong crowd for. The graphics actually look pretty neat. I mean, I really like the graphics here. They're stylized, but not MS Paint, and the fact that there's actual texturing here. That is yeah, I, I agree. There's there's some some thought put into the overall look, as well as effort into creating the, the actual assets. So I think it looks pretty nice, but uh, it still doesn't help the, the pretty flat levels, sadly. Yeah, there are the is covering pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. There is some verticality to the levels. Like, there's a bridge growing across a gap, there's chest high walls but ultimately it is still incredibly flat i i think it, it i i don't know i i haven't played it it's, it's it's still to be released but for me it looks like the 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 uh different hates are more cosmetic than uh, mm-hmm. uh yep. influencing the gameplay one thing that comes from the trailer is that the weapons just feel very uninteresting. Like, there is a weapon that is a four-barreled rocket launcher that launches four rockets at once that all spiral and hit a target, and then it hits the target and... <laughs> and they, they just fall over. Yeah. Hey, Pillow, you're the resident expert here. What should a weapon that fire four rockets at once be like? Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's what she said. I, I think the best phrase was coined by the developers of Rise of the Triad. Engine killing Gibbs. <laughs> if it doesn't make the engine choke, then it's just not worth it. Not enough. No. The biggest issue is that there's just some layer of polish not really applied evenly here. Mm-hmm. They've got the good assets, but where are the good maps to go with that? 
and you look at the uh, the about the game section, and it's just what happens if we mix a classic arcade shooter with a classic hardcore roguelike? Reloading too hard. You're a warrior, not a nuclear physicist. Health regeneration, <laughs> keep it for the babies. Saves, death takes everything. Yep, them too. So where do the roguelike mechanics come into play? <laughs> well, the only roguelike mechanic there is the probably the permadeath. I'd say that the mechanics stem for like you know with the weapons and level generation, but that's more like where it stops. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's not much about it. Mm-hmm. Randomly generated levels. <sighs> Randomly generated numbers. <laughs> How about you love them? And you like them in that regard, except not at all. Yeah, it's the biggest thing that people repeatedly miss about old-school retro first-person shooters. It's the level design. The level design is what made them. It's not about explosive barrels, no reloads, moving fast. It's about the levels. Well, it's all that, but then using it in a way that makes coherent sense. Yeah, that's true. And making it interesting, like hate variation. (laughs) (sighs) Where's my verticality? (laughs) <laughs> well, moving on from that, speaking of verticality, the next one, this was actually released last month. I'm not sure how it slipped under my radar because this seems so up my alley that I could murder Batman's parents in it. Gore Script is a classic <laughs> first-person shooter game inspired by the great old classic FPS games that define the genre. Fight your way through 18 handcrafted levels of frantic action-based gameplay from easy to hardcore levels of difficulty. And I don't remember Minecraft being a great old classic FPS. <laughs> well, I mean, consider how long ago it was released. It's been, what the fuck, and how has it almost been six, seven years? Oh, yeah. Okay, so I guess that counts. I don't know. <laughs> there are I people... feel old when people tell me Call of Duty 4 is fucking. Fuck, I think it's coming on like. Nine, ten years or something? Already. I feel old. Probably more. Oh, oh, oh. I feel old. (laughs) You want to talk about old? Like, Steam recently had a uh, award for the test of time. The game that is just as good today as the game that, as the day when you first played it. New games may come out, but it doesn't matter. You'll always come back to play these older retro entitles. And the winner was Elder Scrolls V, Skyrim. Uh, okay. <laughs> Skyrim, the retro game that is, like, six years old. And only recently got remastered. Yeah. <laughs> I think the oldest game on that list was Team Fortress 2, and it's already a decade old. Gosh, when, when the hell did that time go? I, I like Gore Script. I mean, yeah, the graphics do look like Minecraft, but... It's got, it looks like it has everything I want in an actual retro-inspired game. The levels are vertical. The levels have verticality. I mean, you can actually jump around. You can rocket jump. You can go upstairs. You can go down ramps. You can jump up platforms. It's... It has strange, like, uh, indentations in the wall. Mm-hmm. That's detailed. <laughs> the weapons the look really fun, too. I mean, yeah. from like the base, base point, it's got everything. 
It's just the graphically, it's not what you would expect. <laughs> the graphics are non-existent. <laughs> what it shows here is that it's got a layer of options available to the player that all the other games we've talked about up until this point don't have, which is definitely um, a point in its favor. Mm-hmm. I just feel like it still doesn't quite hit that mark, um, and especially flops on its head when you talk about the visual style to it. You want to tell you what had me sold? What? It has crashed. <laughs> yeah. You can't really argue with that. But uh, in general, uh, design ideas-wise, this is way closer to the classic shoulders we like, I think. But, you know, the, I think the, the graphical style is the biggest. doesn't hit the mark. Mm-hmm. But as with other... The, uh, but as with the other games, uh, I think we might be the the wrong crowd. Maybe we're not the target because uh, there are uh, the there are players that appreciate uh, pr- procedural generation and roguelike elements. <laughs> we're we're just not the guys. Or maybe they just don't know what's their target. They're like looking for thing and experimenting with like all the older formulas, not really knowing what makes it well click. I don't really know if it's a matter of not trying to find their target because they are already pretty clearly stated out in their description. Hmm. There's not much else to it that can imply anything else, honestly. Maybe we're just ungrateful bastards and very picky. (laughs) (laughs) For me, it's simple. If you want to make a game that claims to take inspiration from classic first-person shooters, and then it's absolutely nothing like the classic first-person shooters, then you're given a little bit of a mixed message here. Uh, The 80s nostalgia is turning into 90s nostalgia as time goes on, and there's been so many crappy indie platformers that don't replicate anything of what made the platformers great, and now we're getting a lot of crappy retro-inspired shooters that don't really replicate a lot of what it all makes the classic retro shooters great and it's a little frustrating because i'm not entirely sure if these people don't know or if they didn't understand just wait till they will like move on to the half-life clones those (laughs) castings will kill you i think it's a i think it's more like um not having that layer of knowledge to apply what makes them good in the first place. Mm-hmm. It's like you take any established level designer and they probably could make something just as good in any other medium. But uh, when the, when new developers tend to go on to you know make their own game for the first time and they try to do it by means of something they like, um, they don't always get it right because I don't think that they have been able to spend the time to dedicate to the art of getting it right. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe we really are old. Well, we're not old until we hit 40. That's the official over-the-hill point. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> and then moving on from there, we got another shitty upcoming indie first-person shooter. Uh got something by the name of Ion Maiden. Hmm. Hmm. Never heard of. (laughs) Never heard of it. Actually, uh, (laughs) this is... Do you mean the band? (laughs) 
This is especially interesting because Ion Maiden, formerly known as Bombshell, a dev studio comprised of E-Duke 32 vets and Duke Nukem 3D mappers. It was designed as a sort of tie-in to the Bombshell video game, which was itself a sort of spin-off of the Duke Nukem franchise before needing to legally distance themselves from Duke Nukem because there was kind of a little tussle as to who actually owned Duke Nukem. And to my knowledge, it was originally intended to be a sort of promotional tie-in, but now it's expanding and becoming a full game. Pretty much. That is pretty interesting. They have been uh, releasing regular screenshots so far, and wow, these look amazing. I mean, the weapon designs look incredible. The texturing looks incredible. I... I really like the Tomfa weapon, and I I even like the fact that the palette itself is adhered to 256 colors, and you can see the colors sort of drop off in the distance. That is cool. How do I respond to that? <laughs> <laughs> Take your compliments, damn you! <laughs> Iron Maiden looks interesting, and I've noticed one thing that you guys have been showing off in the screenshot is an overwhelming emphasis on verticality. Like, recently you showed off an uh, image of a city street, and there's rooftops, there's ladders, there's breaks in the street. It's really interesting. I've heard that Duke Nukem 3D maps in general have an overwhelming emphasis on verticality, and this is carried over into the mapping a little bit? Uh, yeah, I think so. Overall, uh, Duke 3D is kind of like this interesting middle point uh, because it's after like the uh, abstract mapping of Doom mm -hmm. and uh, before more realistic and fully 3D games like Half-Life. Because mm -hmm. Quake, for example, is still kind of abstract. There, there aren't really any specific pl places unlike Duke. Mm -hmm. And... We really like that, and we think it's a it's a big part of the build games, and we we we're doing our best to to continue it in in this project. Mm -hmm. That is one really thing that regularly stood out. There. <laughs> that is one thing that did regularly stand out about all of the build games. With uh, Doom, it was all pure one hundred percent. What made the game feel good? I mean. Romero intentionally breached away early from the realistic map designs and focused entirely on fun. And then Half-Life, there was an overwhelming emphasis on trying to make the levels feel like real places. And in fact, there was an essay recently done writing about the importance of uh, greats and crawling through them for that reason. And then Duke's got kind of this... Not quite realistic, but not quite abstract. All of the areas are based on real areas and are connected together in sort of action movie-esque ways. I think it does a good compromise of like playability and, and, and the looks and atmosphere. So it's not like, oh, you have this super beautiful, realistic place, but it plays like shit, mm -hmm. for example. Really, really interesting combination. And... Uh, I'm looking up. I'm looking forward to seeing what you guys have come out with uh, Iron Maiden or Ion Maiden. 
<laughs> cool, I'm glad to hear Probably not intentional. Totally not intentional, no. Could you imagine when filing the trademarks you accidentally make a fucking typo? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be a nightmare for the lawyers. Don't worry, we'll triple check everything. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Half-Life, this is a little bit of a resurrection that nobody saw coming. Half-Life, the original game, has gotten an update. Uh, To be honest, I don't make much of it. It's... it's, I mean, it's strange that this game, after so long, would get an update like this after having been... I won't say ignored, but kind of glossed over by Valve all this time. Hmm. I feel like there might have been some factors tied to that, because I do actually remember seeing the um, the patch notes to that. And from what I can tell, it might have been possibly influenced by a, um, by a security advisor for, you know, like they pen test programs for exploits and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and from what I could tell, Valve actually does take pretty good care of like their engine frameworks to, you know, avoid things like opening vectors for creating malware and things like that. Because their their servers and communities and stuff, they're still huge after all this time. Yeah. So I imagine someone out there loves the game enough at Valve to you know actually take care take care of those sort of uh, issues as I crop up. Yeah, that's, that really makes sense. That's why I don't make much out of it, because there are a lot of people, oh my god, Half-Life 3 is coming out! <laughs> and, uh, yeah. It's like, every month it's going to come out, and it doesn't. And don't get me wrong, I'm waiting for it. It's like it became the Duke Nukem Forever of our century. Actually, I'm pretty sure last official word that has been given is basically you're chasing after unicorns. Hmm. I think it's safe to say the Half-Life franchise is dead at this point, unfortunately. It's probably not going to be Half-Life 3, not going to be Episode 3, and it's really quite a shame. I want to believe. Want to believe. Maybe we'll get a Russian bootleg. (laughs) (laughs) There was actually a... uh, I think it was Game Informer that did an article searching for Half-Life 3, and it was one journalist's attempt to just sort of dig through everything Valve has done, ask the employees, ask the directors, okay, so what's actually going on with Half-Life 3? What is actually happening? And the only one that could actually speak to him was an anonymous source, so obviously this can't really be verified, but assuming it is true, it is a very interesting look into not only why Half-Life Episode 3 or Half-Life 3 has had such trouble coming out, but rather if it even should come out. Because at this rate, there is nothing that could live up to the hype, even the entirely internal hype that people have been building up over years. 
Honestly, I'd be good with just having the finale of the story, but uh, there was a bit of bad news with uh, Mark Laidlaw leaving Valve. Yeah. And he was the writer. So, I don't know. I still want to believe. At the very least, I want Gordon to like be able to shoot a gun at an alien. That'd be cool. So John Freeman shoot his <laughs> weapon real fast. Yes, is John Freeman cannon? The people Very must fastly. know. The people must know. So zombie ghosts leave this place. <laughs> but this is our house, said the zombie ghosts. So sadly, but I think it's quite realistic that Half-Life 3 isn't uh, even turning into DNF, but into a meme. Yeah. Eternal meme. Sad. Of unfinished dreams. It's not turning into Duke Nukem Forever. It's not even turning into, like, more death. It's just turning into... (laughs) (laughs) It should get a more death award if it comes out. (laughs) All right. And then moving on from there, oh boy, that's a somber note to end on. Let's move on to something a little bit happier. What have we been working on recently in terms of uh, making stuff? So, who wants to go oh first? Boy. Let's show and tell opportunity. Come on, come on. Who wants to go first? Who wants to brag? Uh, supplies. Supplies. <laughs> Iron Maiden. <laughs> Iron Maiden. <laughs> You've been working like really hard on a lot of projects lately, haven't you? Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, well, I'm I'm a freelance, so I'm not on a regular schedule, and uh, I'm just I just have a bit more time recently, so I'm trying to do. Uh, I've been doing a lot of supply stuff, mm-hmm. uh, trying to get as many things out of the way uh, while I can, because uh, I I don't know how my time might look in a few months. And currently I've been working the like the biggest hurdle, which is monster sprites. Mm, yeah, monster sprites are the biggest trouble with retro first-person shooter stuff because it is insane the amount of workload that goes into those. Fighting games and 2D shooters are the most art-intensive genres out there because let's even take a uh, average monster. We got four walking frames. We got two firing frames. Let's be incredibly generous and just say two. We got a pain frame, and we got, again, let's be incredibly generous and say three death frames. That is incredibly generous. That is 10 frames in total. Now multiply that by 5 for each rotation. Yes. And that is 50 sprites for one single monster. And that is insane amount of work. It is. And then there are madmen who are thinking about like full rotation instead of mirrors. Oh, yes. And then there's the people that want to add more. Like, what if we made the missile rotation use three frames instead of two? What if we added a melee attack? What if we gave it an idle frame? What if we made What the... if it had 16 rotation? <laughs> mirrors fucking so. What if we had an X death as well as a death? Oh, no. <laughs> 
And then... I, I, I've had situations like that. Oh, hey, I finished the, the troopers and the imp. Oh, no, I still have the gib frames to do. Yeah. So uh, as, as much as I would like, you know, to do all these ambitious, amazing things, uh, I'm doing my best to, to, to keep the scope of all this realistic. So, for example, uh, I think I, all, all the monsters are going to be mirrored. Uh, and that's already helping me out a ton. And as uh, you've probably noticed from the stuff already posted, most of the monsters are just Doom paintovers. So it's just like the, the same monster, except it has a new look to match all the rest of the new art. So as much as uh, I would like to make new monsters, I don't think it's really uh, realistic mm-hmm. for this project. Yeah. Although there will be new monsters because uh, we have new bosses planned and some smaller enemies as well. So, in that case, consider the following: Gib rotations. <laughs> no. Yeah, that's no. right. Now that I think about no. it, you wouldn't have to do rotations for the death or X death range. Well, let's rectify that. Actually. Let's make Doom modding history. <laughs> Actually, if you would if that or or if you would do the gift frames in 3D, the whole thing in 3D, that would be plausible. Oh yeah, that actually would make things a lot easier, like uh, doing models and then breaking them down into uh, or not breaking them, doing models and then shrinking them down and screenshotting every rotation. That's actually uh, what has been done for Wrecker. Another project that I helped out with, and it looks absolutely amazing. And that's the same thing I did for uh, for uh, all the new monsters I've made myself, mm-hmm. uh, as well as monsters in uh, Iron Maiden. But those are made by another artist mm-hmm. who is a great guy and does really cool things. So. Um, uh, I can't take credit for the weapon designs, but I can take credit for the environments. Mm. You can take credit for a lot of things, really. I mean, your influence has been kind of felt everywhere throughout the retro FPS community. Doom 64, extra right. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Pillow? I hear you've been up to stuff lately. Uh, what I haven't been not working on. Well, I've been helping this guy with supplies myself. Mm-hmm. Been prototyping a lot of things, but apparently, uh, can I express my hatred for Zendron? <laughs> yes, go right ahead. Yes, because we're supposed to have multiplayer as well. And uh... let's just say that this possibility is really, really shrinking. Yeah, uh, Zendronum has been lagging behind more and more and GZ Doom has been leaping ahead more and more and it's really just kind of sad. Well, what we can do? Not much. Well, now let's just slap this netcode into the GZ Doom and see if things explode. (laughs) (laughs) I would be interested in seeing that. Well, as of other things I've been working, well, I've been doing a lot of cool things under the sheet. Uh, don't read it this way. Hmm. How suspicious. <laughs> Generally, 
man, how I can describe? You know how I did the tank in like Russian or yeah. Though I don't think our viewers have, so uh, you might want to explain that. All right. So usually when you see the companion mask, those things are like very not impressive. Mm -hmm. So I decided to do something actually impressive and spent like two days cracking my head over uh, converting a voxel from like a CNC to make it into like a regular tank. Mm -hmm. It's like made from like se five, se five separate, separate actors. And it's pretty majestic. <laughs> so I'm putting all that knowledge into making another companion. And I think people will really like it. Mm. Cage chair agrees. <laughs> it's, it's Cage's chair loaded with rocket launchers. Not rocket launcher. Now I can do it. It wasn't, but now it already is. Rocket launcher. So today we have a special guest, my squeaky chair. <laughs> I, I hope it chair. won't kill me. Like that's fine. Like back in the day, we had a regular guest of Kinsey's chair as well. So and speaking of all the workload in supply, I'll say something from personal experience. Mm -hmm. Because I'm doing like all the extra repainting work in Russian Overkill, and I can tell you that, oh my god, it's a pain! <laughs> it's a bomb! It really is. How about you, Wharton? What have you been working on lately? I hear uh, uh, Joy of Mapping has been in full swing lately, and you've been helping out a lot with that? Yeah, uh, took the last week off for it. Um, I've made a map for it. And I've been playtesting it a lot, so that kind of counts for what am I playing. Mm -hmm. um, so far, I am actually alarmed by how many good maps have gotten through the set and what a week's time can do for someone actually dedicated to improving their mapping. Mm -hmm. So I think that once that's finally released, um, that'll be definitely worth checking out. My map sucks, though. Remember, the fun... It's mandatory. <laughs> That's true. I had fun making Happy a second map. little sectors. <laughs> Mad there was sectors. There was nothing happy about the sectors in uh, the map I was working on. I, Are they mad I would be sectors? screaming out like every... Yeah, they're mad sectors. <laughs> I would be screaming out every hour because um, there were times where just sectors and shit would just fucking break for no reason scripts break things like uh, that and it's the fucking worst thing when your playtesting is like wait why doesn't this work anymore and then there were several times where i thought i fixed bugs but ended up reintroducing others hmm. uh, as, as jimmy said himself that's when it becomes the the misery of mapping <laughs> exactly what can we and, generally look forward to with uh, joy mapping this time around um, a lot of beaches, a lot of green, some tails, the whole thing. I have no fucking clue. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, honestly, in terms of fun maps, I would say that the bulk of them have definitely been, and and I might be slightly biased on this, in episode three and episode four, respectively. Um, all the episodes have really good maps, so I think all of them are worth playing through. 
at least once. And we're still going through an internal testing period where all the maps get, you know, once overs to make them look good, look presentable. And all the tutors have been absolutely great at what they do. Mm -hmm. Speaking of joy uh, of mapping, I was uh, talking to, to Jimmy before it started and I was like, Oh, maybe I'll make a map, or maybe I'll do some do a texture pack for the project or something. And then, like uh, two supplies monsters later, I was like, "Hmm, I think I was supposed to do something with Jimmy." So, <laughs> I don't know. So, I wish you. I, I, wish I was you had. hoping I'll finally make a map or or something. No, something different, but nope. Yeah. <laughs> I was, the joys of being jack of all trades. <laughs> <laughs> I've been really trying to uh, get into joy of mapping for like the uh, past three sessions, and they've constantly been a little bit of a trouble getting into because they've always been held on nights where I've been streaming, and I've been kind of Aww. fussing at Jimmy a little bit for that. So this time, Jimmy made a point. Okay, term, you can join in this time. It takes an entire week. There's nothing going to be conflicting. You can join in. Yes! Wait, I got to finish up High Noon Drifter. Yeah. Shit! <laughs> yeah. Mapping is mandatory. Cowboys are not. Well, I did that last one. blind by themselves. Yeah. I'm sorry, Wharton. You're the one that suggested the hat system. I had to put it in and make it perfect. <laughs> <laughs> but then you went on to do a lot of other things. Can That's you buy extra fault. hats? <laughs> hats are the most important. Hats are the absolute. That's true, though. Hats are important. That should have been the first thing you implemented. <laughs> but uh, here's a nice little seamless segue for you. But that's actually been, coincidentally enough, that's what I've been working on quite a bit for the past quite some time. Actually, it's just been barely under or almost exactly at two months High Noon Drifter is ready for release. Pretty much Woo! entirely ready for release. I've finished everything on my end, and the only thing that's holding it back is a couple finished graphics. And mm, that final 10%, the last couple things you need to do, it's always the hardest part of development. You're so close to finishing, and everything that's left is so minor issues but you got to do it anyway, and it's so painful to do. There's always these last-minute things that keep popping up again and again, and it's so painful. you got to get it done anyway. But, oh, once it's all done and ready and ready to ship and ready to go, it's all... Oh, yeah. I forgot how it feels to be close to finishing. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. I imagined all this talk about your BFG. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. The big fiery girl. <laughs> <laughs> she has been interesting. She has been an interesting ride from beginning to end. Please do not in take that out ready. of contact. Everyone's ready to ship. Everyone else is ready to ship. Once you're going to rewind and listen to what you said, you're going to think of it as a one huge innuendo. <laughs> well, that, that erotic sigh I did on expressing how happy I was to finish certainly is not helping. 
(laughs) (laughs) The finish is the best part. You can relax. You can just lean back, kick back, and just savor it all in. And wow, this really is not helping. Um, And then you can start working on the next one. Uh, Or you just beat yourself over for bum-rushing the release and getting a shitstorm of bugs. I'm not feeling proud of it, but at least I did a release. You've been there, right? (laughs) Always. Oh, yeah. It's the thing I'm going to be focused on the next, though, mapping. I'm mapping, mapping, mapping. Need to do mapping. Uh, I suppose I... I wonder if I should say this. I've got a little hidden map project that I've been working on for a little bit, and it's been kind of a little bit of a hang because I haven't been mapping for it in order to focus on High Noon Drifter, but I'm hitting this hard. I want to get a map pack out. I want to get a map pack finished. I want to get a map pack good and playable. So that's going to be what I'm focusing on next, and it's going to be interesting. Mapping is going to be learnt with. Well, I have an advice for you. Yeah? Don't invoke the Kinsey curse. Don't name it out in public. <laughs> well, why'd you invoke it? Because, because like everybody listening to us right now. Yeah. Shit! I can blame you now. <laughs> da, 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 da. I can blame you now. <laughs> Damn, you're a Poland immunity, or should I say Poland? Hmm. I'm sorry, that um, was bad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on from there, what have we been playing recently? Oh, come on. Surely someone's been playing something. Hey, Wharton, come on. Talk to me. What have you been playing? Well, ironically, all I've been playing was playtesting for Joy of Mapping, as I mentioned prior. Um, I mean, outside of that, I have been on and off enjoying Persona 3 still. What's that like? Uh, It's a game about Japanese high school and something about clocks. I'm still trying to piece it all together. I've seen enough hentai to know where this is going. Moving on, how about you, Cage? (laughs) What? (laughs) Um, so, uh, actually, uh, we have something recent because, you know, uh, Pillow is visiting me and now I'm uh, trying to show him some actually good games. <laughs> so, I feel insulted. <laughs> yeah. So we were playing uh, Chrono Trigger. That is a good game. Actually, yeah, and, a little uh, bit of a behind-the-scenes intermission know-how for all of y'all. Uh, Pillow and Cage are actually in the same room sharing the same microphone. They are the same person. The future is now. <laughs> yes. Because my microphone is shit. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> yeah, Chrono Trigger. That is one of the SNES games to end all SNES games. So, yeah, that's that's a real classic and one of my favorites as well. I, I don't know. I, I just like everything about it. Uh, I think for me, it really gives me a, a, a real feel of going on adventure and doing something good there on on that adventure and uh and besides that uh i did replay halo 1 and halo 2 some time ago mm-hmm. actually uh it was first time 
for me playing Halo 2. And I guess it might be an unpopular opinion on this podcast, but I really liked it. <laughs> well, okay. guess we know who's not getting invited again. <laughs> Both and... of us, and then we have no guests. <laughs> Shit, he knew. What do I do now? <laughs> And before that, I dumped a bunch of hours into Mankind Divided because I'm also a, a huge fan of DSX and everything cyberpunk. And that was like in February. So <laughs> not playing much. Well, you say you're not playing much and that you just listed like four games. Yeah, but that's like the last six months or something. <laughs> So uh, it's it's mostly being busy working on stuff, but that has the downside of kind of uh, creating in a vacuum mm-hmm. with, you know, having yeah. influence limited and inspiration. So that's not, that's not a perfect solution to just lock yourself and, and work on projects. It really isn't. You got to let yourself cool down at times. I don't have time to cool down. <laughs> I have to make cool thing. You can make cool thing and then tape it to yourself to cool down. <laughs> I was just going to suggest tape an air conditioner to your face. That works better. <laughs> What's cooler than being cool? Ice cold. Ice, tape ice, ice cold. Air conditioning. <laughs> we are a second world country. <laughs> what about uh, who's next? Pillow, you want to go next? Well, I've been doing a lot of Majesty lately because I love Dark Souls, the RTS. Mm-hmm. It's pretty interesting one because you don't have like a classic RTS where you have control over your units, you can do whatever. Your heroes are bloody idiots and they did like <laughs> they die oh. all the fucking time. Wow. The, bas- the basic deal is you set up bounties on the monsters to hunt them down. But I've seen the monsters kick their asses. Babysitting the game. <laughs> Pretty much. You need to like hold your heroes out of trouble. Babies. Like little babies. Amazing. Catching fire and everything. So is this Dark Souls or is this Lemmings? Uh, probably both. Dark Lemmings. Dark Lemmings. <laughs> Lem Souls. Dark Lemmings. Oh, Blaster will be the best father keeping his kids from dying. <laughs> I wouldn't be so sure about it. <laughs> oh, wow. This might give me too many ideas. Well, I mean... <laughs> at the very least, we can expect you to teach them uh, proper gun safety. Mm, I don't have any guns. That's probably out of the window. Mm-hmm. You say that. Otherwise, uh, Borderlands. Oh, my. Pre-sequel. Don't worry. I got the game on sale. Mm. I didn't give Pittsburgh the full price. <laughs> I mean, the story is stupid, but it has some magical moments. First it was Halo 2, and now it's Borderlands the pre-sequel. What kind of people am I bringing on to my podcast? <laughs> <laughs> we are like heretics. <laughs> Maybe it's not us being the heretics. Light the torches. No, I'm being kicked out of my own podcast. Ah! Ah! 
Hey, Run to the yeah, windmill. Host of now you will know how to be a hamburger. <laughs> Bring in the dancing lobsters. <laughs> how has that been coming along, though? What? Borderlands, the pre-sequel. You talked about that on the night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you already flushed out of my memory. <laughs> Borderlands, what? What are you saying? My mission has been completed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the game, I just like shooting. And if there's more of it, then I'm going to play. Yeah, I can't really argue with that. can't really argue with that. I also liked Rage. I didn't play it even yet. I was playing on, but I, uh, well, suffered from the same syndrome as Cage has. I honestly have not played Rage, but nearest I can tell, it was basically just a matter of misaimed opportunity. Well, I liked it besides the shitty ending. Oh, hey, here's an ending. Hope you like the game. <laughs> Isn't that it's biggest downfall is that it just wasn't finished. That's about it. But MGS Five also did that. Oh, here's an ending. But yeah, development troubles. Oh yeah, that was much more apparent though. Um, I was talking about that with some friends the other day, and we were, and I was like, I already saw the shortcomings of that MGS Five could have just from playing Peace Walker, which have all the makings of overambition. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest, though. I mean, terrible endings in video games, it's kind of becoming the norm, isn't it? Mm. E- even the best game of all time, Deus Ex, fails <laughs> with that. Mm. In all installments! I can't believe there isn't an ending where we can team up with the janitor in order to put lemon lime in every single vending machine. I wanted orange! It gave me lemon lime! <laughs> <laughs> it's the maintenance, man! <laughs> That would have been the ultimate ending. How cool would it be if DSX Human Revolution had a had an ending where you have to press a button? Crazy. Wow. Wait, so Mass Effect Revolutionary. <laughs> <laughs> well no, they were they were flavored buttons. You punched them with your tongue. <laughs> you had to pick if you want like uh, strawberry or vanilla. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Those Mass Effect 3X went. Mm-hmm. Please go. <laughs> <laughs> what I've been playing, uh, I've been playing a little bit straightforward recently. There's been a project that came out uh, sort of last month called the Kaigland Blatognung. Oh, I, yeah, I've seen the topic. Yeah. I apologize terribly for horribly mangling the pronunciation, but it is a Wolfenstein-style project, specifically inspired by Wolfenstein The New Order, and it uses uh, sprites by Chrono Teeth and a whole bunch of Wolfenstein 3D fan sprites in order to just create a full weapon replacer and enemy replacer that's all about shooting Nazis with the sci-fi-esque World War II-esque hybrid weaponry. And it was kind of clunky when it first came out. It was yeah, yeah, really kind of clunky when it first came out because uh, enemy HP values, way too high. Weapon damage values, pretty low. Ammo drops, Uh. very low. But 
the dude listened to criticism. He listened to feedback. He just sat, nodded, rolled up his sleeves, cracked his knuckles, and said, Right, this time, let's kick ass. And then he released a V2 update, and wow, it's so much better. It is so, so, so fun to go through. The weapons, they can be dual-wielded, and they all have synth fire. So you can go around dual-wielding Lugers. The enemies fall really quickly. So you can just whip around corners, just banging everything in sight. Wow, that's... <laughs> you can whip... <laughs> you can whip around there corners. There goes sleep again. <laughs> Just like Doom! Or yeah. H-Doom. Yeah. You can whip around corners shooting everything in sight. Dual-wielding Lugers, dual-wielding shotguns, dual-wielding SMGs. And it's so much fun. There's giant robots that just blow up into shrapnel whenever you shoot them enough. There's like explosive enemies. There's flying Nazis. There's doctor Nazis. There's robot Nazis. There's dog Nazis. There's furry Nazis. There's Nazis. There are Nazis. 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 Yeah. I have a feeling Terminus really likes Nazis. <laughs> I like <laughs> shooting you can Nazis. Bang them all. <laughs> bang all the Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, shoot. Yes. <laughs> Whatever. And it is just so much fun to go through. There is still a couple things about the mod that are very unpolished at the moment. Like, uh, you run out of ammo, you hit the button, you don't get, like, a click or anything, doesn't swap to another message. It just does an A print that says, out of ammo. And, mm. <laughs> <laughs> and likewise, the knife is... It, it's not a good melee weapon. I mean, I really, it's usually very hard to like nail a raid. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't help because the default melee option in a lot of games, and even first-person shooter mods, it's kind of waylaid to the side as the garbage weapon. Like you really don't want to be using this, so they make it garbage in order to emphasize that. But if you intentionally set out to make a garbage weapon and you succeed, it's still a pretty garbage weapon. Well, let's be honest, even in regular Doom, the Fist isn't exactly a puncher. No. But yeah, the Burster pack. Yeah, once you get the Berserk, that's yeah. great. But yeah, the update has really changed the entire thing. And it is great. It's so much fun. Highly suggest it. Highly, highly, highly suggest it. Works great with uh, Epic and Epic 2, obviously. I've been playing it with Zone300.wad, a fantastic map set by Pcorp. Uh, Pcorp set out to make a map with, or set out to make a map set that uh, ha- every level contains no more than 300 line deaths. So provides a lot of short, quick, straightforward maps. Very quick to go through, so action is always happening. Monster counts rarely get to the high levels, but that's good because it means every single threat is manageable, which is great because you can go around, dive around corners, and start banging Nazis. (laughs) (laughs) There it comes again. (laughs) Highly suggest uh, Kriegsland. Highly suggest Zone 300. Very fun. Worth a shot. Hey, Term. You reminded me of what I also played. Yeah? Can it work with Blade of Agonia? (laughs) (laughs) Because... Well, uh, 
I <sighs> played chapter one. I hated every single bit of it. Played the first level of chapter two when it was still in development and hated, hated, hated it. Have not tried out since the release. Have no desire to. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel now. I decided to give it an honest, honest try. But, oh my god, fuck that rules. <laughs> fuck this mechanic with landmines. <laughs> Never fun. Shivers has been playing it, and he has uh, really very much been enjoying it. Uh, I will admit I'm not 100% as to why, but who knows? Maybe it's just... Maybe I'm the weird one. Maybe we're the nah. weird ones. I'm kind of polarized on that mod, honestly. Because uh, it looks good in a lot of departments. Um, there's always there's always going to be some oddballs when you try for something ambitious at it, as it does. Oh, yeah. Uh, Remember, Shiver's bodies mostly composed of MP5s, MP40. <laughs> he does love his MP5s and MP40s. Those are good weapons, very good weapons. Yeah. I I've been meaning to try uh, Blade of Agony actually myself because it it looks pretty cool and I, I really hate to to dismiss a project that clearly had a lot of work put in but like uh, I'm talking to to other Doom people and like oh I think of playing Blade of Agony and they're like hit scanners landmines and then I don't know. <laughs> Well, if I, I will say they are tracers, yeah. but you don't have enough speed to evade them. I mean, you have a sprint which lasts for two seconds, and then you go. <laughs> <laughs> There's one thing that can definitely be said, though. It is gorgeous. Like Torm is a graphic designer first and foremost, and it shows. It is beautiful. It is gorgeous. A lot of work has been put into pushing the engine to the absolute limit. And making it pretty, pretty, pretty. Yeah, that I can agree on. Now if the other fields could be worked on. <laughs> yeah. But maybe I'll You know, no spoiler, but I'm gonna say this. The ending made me more angry for seeing it coming than actually being a great, you know, reveal. <laughs> It was all just a dream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Alright. Well, I am... Uh, I hate to say it, but I will have to give it another honest shot later on, if only so I can say, yes, I've checked it out, and yes, these are my opinions. But I just... I don't want to. And I feel bad about that. Because I know a lot of people are going to be asking me about that, and I want to give them an honest opinion, but it's just... It's a work. Yeah, it's a work. Well, what can I say? Make the Highland Drifter work with it, so halfway through when you want to like drop it, use it to give yourself a chance. <laughs> That's what I did. Sorry. That's what I did. Yes. Blade of Guncaster. Well, yeah, that's exactly what I did. <laughs> Trail of Agony. <laughs> All right. And with that, I think this is going to be a fantastic time to call this here. 
Thank you all very much for coming along. Thank you for being with us. It was a pleasure having you. And thank you for having us. Mm -hmm. Kaboom! (laughs) (laughs) And we will see you all next time on the next intermission. Well, they probably won't, but... My boy. (laughs) Left out. I'm sorry. It had to be this way. I'm sorry. Well, time zone's my ass. (laughs) Good night, everybody.